back to another episode of Bad Signal Podcast. We're in doomsday, New England. I'm almost happy and sad that, like, the delusional New England Patriots fans can finally come to their wits. I feel like everyone's been bewitched this entire season. Jerry Thornton is here to just unravel it all. Who better than you, Jerry? Welcome to the show. How you doing? Uh, Courtney, thanks for having me. And by the way, excellent timing to have on a shameless Patriots honk like like me. You know, like uh, of all the years where I've been like accused of being overly optimistic, I'm on the day after they get eliminated for the playoffs for the first time in like, what, 12 years or something. So, yeah, it, for, to all the Patriots haters who might be watching this, go ahead, make margaritas out of my tears. That's fine. I'll just sit here and paint my butt red, get out of my cage and just <laughs> dance for us, monkey. Dance. Go ahead, Patriots fan. How's it feel now? I, I, I'll take all the abuse you have. Did you light your trash on fire when you saw two to 3,000 Buffalo Bills fans jumping on fire-lit tables as they welcomed the AFC East champions? It's like you might as well just take that fifth of, fifth of Jack Daniels and just hit – Hit it straight to the head when you see something like that. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I accept that. I I kind of get it. I mean, there is there is a level at which if you have some kid who lives in an impoverished like village somewhere and you give him a hoop and a stick that he can push down the road, he's thrilled. And then you have some other kid and you you give them the the, the new PlayStation Five and they're just like, oh, okay, I'm kind of bored with this uh, already. And so so that's us. And I, I'm not happy to be spoiled, but at least we don't show up in the dead of night to celebrate clinching the playoffs. I mean, mark my words, so many grandmothers right now in Western New York are buying um, those you know AFC East hats and shirts. That yeah. like only people around here were buying like, you know, 19 years ago before we said, no, we don't celebrate this stuff here. This is, yeah, yeah, we, we, I'll, hold on. I'll get the Super Bowl merch, grandma, but thank you. Your heart's in the right place. Yeah. That, this, that stuff's flying off the shelves in Buffalo because they haven't won a playoff game since when? Before, uh, in the mid 90s, like, 1995. Yeah. I was like pre, pre Doug Flutie. Right. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. There, there was a curse on them after they uh, they benched Doug Flutie in favor of Rob Johnson. How's that for a, an old reference? And if he, and if they're a, a Bills fan and you remember that, like you've been voting for 10 years. <laughs> so, exactly. yeah. No, hey, good for them. I, I love the Bills Mafia. I don't know if you're quite aware of how much of a following they have on Barstool, but they are, oh, they yeah. are the gift that keeps on giving. And so you know, maybe success will spoil them, but uh, they might not want to get used to it because there's there's a history of teams being the next big thing and then crashing and burning to the ground. Hello, Jacksonville from three oh. years ago. I was just talking about that to some of the people I do work for the game day. It's more or less like a bleacher report concept. If you see some of my videos, I just did a video about why Aaron Rodgers should be MVP of the league over Patrick Mahomes. But some people were even mentioning one of the guys on the show, which I completely disagreed. He's like, oh, Josh Allen looking like a front runner for MVP. I was like, dude, are you out of your fucking mind? Like, yes, are okay. you out? He was like, okay, yeah, sure. Why don't you go skip to the gambling lines? Because let's be realistic here. Josh Allen has turned the corner. He has 
perennial all pro wide receivers. That would be wonderful to have had a guy like that on our right. team for the last couple of years. They killed it with the Stefan Diggs trade. They've got Sammy Watkins. Everyone wrote him off and thought he was dead. You know, uh, right. I, that team is stacked and good for them because with a guy like Brian Dable, who won five Super Bowl rings, mind you, five Super Bowl rings over his 11 years in New England, you're welcome. You know, you're welcome. I, I'm not knocking them at all. I think the Bills, they've got a bright future, but I got to tell you, it was hella weird to tweet that <laughs> yesterday. I said hat and t-shirt day for the Buffalo Bills. Yikes. That yeah, sounds I mean, like that's a long time before. 2008 was the last time we said it wasn't hat and t-shirt day in New England. Because oh yeah, we well, they, the and say, okay, yeah, we're on to the next thing. Sure. And they can accurately say what Teddy Bruschi was saying back in like 2003. Hey, we don't lose hat and t-shirt games. Yeah, because you, you haven't been in one since, I don't know, since, <laughs> since the K-Gun offense or, or whatever, since Marv Levy. But yeah, I, I get the, the Josh Allen thing because he's the new bright, shiny object that they're not used to. But I mean, what Aaron Rodgers is doing this year is just in, insane. Uh, yeah, it, it's off the charts. I don't know how many times he's had a, a, a passer rating of 100 or better, but I, I want to say it's like twice as many as like Mahomes has. He's so. yeah. So the numbers that were that we broke down, he leads the league in touchdowns, interceptions, he has 40 touchdowns to four interceptions. Mahomes has eight, and that is his third four touchdown season. Third, yeah, as I'm putting up a number four, third 40 touchdown <laughs> season, which leads the NFL ever. Um, and he thinks that he should have gotten the MVP in 2012, 2016. What he's doing right now, he leads the league in passer rating, completion percentage. Um, Pat Mahomes, he leads in yardage, but that's about it. And the guy's 37 years old and he's doing it right. with less. How many, it's one of those things that I know that our pal Fitzy has kind of in some of our shit Pats fans say videos, you know, I can remember him popping up from one of the, one of the lines of merchandise inside Patriot place doing the video. Remind me how Rogers and Brady are in the same conversation. <laughs> I kind of see it now. He's doing more with less Pat Mahomes. He's got all those first second round pick guys. I mean, Travis Kelsey outside of Stefan Dix, it just got beat yesterday. Travis Kelsey leads the league in, in receiving yards because he's the second coming of Rob Gronkowski, and that's his number one go-to guy to move the sticks. He's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Miko Hartman. He's, you know, got the, we'll see what uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be able to do down the stretch, but uh, he's got all those weapons. Who the hell can you name on that, on that Green Bay Packers team outside of Devontae Adams and Aaron right. Jones? I'm yeah. going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to toss it up to you. Who else can you name? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I the scheduling being what it is, and I've had to focus so much of my attention on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Talk about yeah. a sentence that you're not used to saying. Yeah. Um, blah, blah. So yeah, I've, I've, the times I've gotten to actually sit down and watch 60 minutes of Aaron Rodgers football have been few and far between. But anytime, you know, that you've gone from a Pats game to one of the teams that we just mentioned, one of the, the offenses that we just mentioned, you need to have like a buffer offense in between. So you don't like get the bends, you know, like yeah. when you come up from deep sea diving, when you go from a, a quarterback that had five touchdown passes on the season to one, that's a threat to have five every single time they touch the ball, 
it, yeah, it, it, it will put like air pockets in your joints and may, yeah. may cripple you. So, um, I, I, I'm not a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. There's just kind of a, I think I can say this on your podcast. A oh, you can swear you can cut. Yeah. Okay. It's, there's a dickishness to him a, a little bit. He's I don't just, think he women so much too. It's a kind of an odd, I don't want to bring that up, but there's some, yeah. there's some Olivia Munn kind of outed him on some stuff. Yeah, she, Actually. without naming names, and I'm a huge Olivia Munn fan. Uh, yeah. She is a nerd goddess, and and yeah. every guy I know, like, who I respect, loves her. Um, she, without naming names, kind of alluded to someone that she was with that was really atrocious uh, in the boudoir. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I like to think it was him. And I really wanted him and Matt LaFleur to be, like, two cats in a burlap bag like just clawing at each other ripping each other to, to shreds and it looked really bad early on there and and there was an adjustment period but what can you say they're they're they're, they're killing it so yeah uh, they are killing a, it. not a great time to be someone who takes pleasure in watching aaron Rodgers fail but there's always the postseason with that guy yeah you know? that's what everyone keeps i well speaking of the postseason even though that was nice, that was a nice comeback. I see that 28 to three poster in the background. And I had some, some money on the, on the bucks yesterday, even though they didn't cover the spread, which whatever, they just still came back and didn't completely obliterately embarrass me. Something in the water needs to be saged in that facility for the Atlanta Falcons, because that was fucking embarrassing for them. Brady coming, seeing a 17 to nothing, nothing lead. And then just breaking open 31 points in the second half it uh you know that's nice and all but does do you think tom brady is equipped to really take the bucks to a deep postseason run for some reason some part of me says that the pressure is just going to mount to him when he's in that first or second round and those demons are going to creep back and something is just not going to click. Like father time's just going to come right out of his ass and just snip him. And the worst time I just, something inside of me doesn't believe that that's him because the NFC itself is so weak. I mean, he has the potential to take that team to the NFC championship game outside of the Packers and what they can do in the postseason. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, that, that, that conference is wide open, but part of me just doesn't, I don't, I don't see it happening. You know, my, my default setting is to believe in the the heredity of a franchise, that there's DNA that gets passed down through. For instance, the Atlanta Falcons. There's never a lead that's so big that they can't blow it, and they prove it four or five times a season where you just get this, this jaw-dropping lead just evaporate from them. The, the Detroit Lions will always be a loser franchise. And I... Now, sometimes it changes. The, Kansas City, a prime example. Suddenly, Andy Reid learned how to you know, not kick a game away with bad clock management in the postseason or, or whatever. Um, I still think, until Brady proves otherwise, that that's in the Bucks' DNA. I mean, that, that is the franchise with the worst winning percentage in the history of the NFL. It was like 385 coming into the season. What he's done has been amazing, but I still think there's the whole is less than the sum of its parts there. Because I mean, look at mm -hmm. he has he has Nick Furyed together, and I just use Nick Fury's name as a verb. <laughs> this Avengers of skill position guys. I mean, 
how many times have you just seen them pull out like a fourth or a fifth tight end you never heard of? And all yeah. of a sudden the guy's like picking up 20 yards because they're well, covering like everybody else. Toys in the toy box. That's my problem. Yeah. I, I knew this at the beginning and, and maybe the middle of the season when he went all in on Antonio Brown and even Ugh. watching him, I, I feel like he's just fucking with all of us. In that post-game interview, he's he's standing there with his eyes wide and bright. It's like it's like he's been drugged before the game, like. Be nice, Antonio. <laughs> nice, Antonio. He, you know, great. Now, he's not allowed to go through the locker room and smash things and and throw his camera on and you know videotape Andy Reid in his post game celebration because we all remember that time when when he when he put uh, uh, Mike Tomlin on Facebook. Do you remember oh, yeah. that? Oh, absolutely. One of one of my favorite moments. They they had just squeaked out a postseason game. I forget who they played, but it was not a great team. And they, they didn't even score a touchdown. And they squeaked one out. The Patriots yeah. played Houston that same weekend. Uh, it was the Saturday night game where they, they were like 14 and a half point favorites or something. It was one of the biggest spreads ever. They covered the spread, but their locker room was like awake. Because they all said they we did not play well. We can't yeah. win if we play like this. And so the next day, there's Mike Tomlin saying, "All right, guys, this is what we got to do. We got to stay calm. All right, watch yourselves on social media. With those them assholes have an extra day to prepare, meaning the Patriots. And we know this because while he's wanting his team to watch the social media, he did a uh, Antonio Brown was doing like a twenty minute Facebook live." Yes, I remember and do you, that. And do you remember it? Do you remember what I he remember, was saying? I just know I remember. Yeah, he was, I mean. It was 20 I'm, minutes I'm of this. I'm uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. It was like TikTok before TikTok was TikTok. It was like, what is this guy? It, there's not even words there. And so that was my first kind of, you know, taste of what this guy is about, how he's wired. And yeah, I'm with you, Courtney. It is a matter of time before he turns into the clubhouse carcinogen that he's always been. And by the way, Bruce Arians can talk a nice game, but we know he hates this guy. We know yeah. he didn't want him. And yeah. Brady has always said, oh, I don't care about personnel. I leave that up to other people. I just do my job. No, no, you're, you're putting a team together. He's yeah. putting together a super group, you know, like the traveling Wilburys and... <sighs> He brought in a guy who's no Roy Orbison or George Harrison. He brought in a bad actor who's going to, at some point, come back to the huddle saying, I was open, why didn't I get the ball? And then no. it's going to fall apart, I hope. Yeah, yeah. No, I, to me, and I say this a number of different times, you saw that hit that he took from Vontez Perfect that completely yep. snapped his entire neck backwards. And I say that. I, oh, I think I said that Vontaze Perfect has ruined a couple of careers. And they're like, give me examples. I don't know if you if you <laughs> stay off of Twitter these days, but it's abs it's an absolute minefield of assholes oh. and of people who are young and uneducated on the game of the NFL that just absolutely want to poo-poo on everything that you say. And like, yeah, I'm sitting back there and I'm like, yeah, are, are you not aware of what he did to Antonio Brown's life because after that hit, that man was 
speaking with his head twisted backwards. Right. Um, oh, God, and this, and all of the antics started after that. Do you know how hard it is for someone who is fighting demons to keep a straight face on certain things? I'm sure he's wanting to explode and, and, and let go of burn off some energy of whatever he's feeling. Like you said, it's really only a matter of time before he starts to show that side of him again. And hopefully for them, at least, it won't be until the end of the season. But you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I should be fair. And if time bomb, yeah, yeah, and that that hit was so brutal. And yeah, if that's the cause of his, let's just call it misbehavior or his just mm-hmm. immature man child act that he that he always lapses into, then I would feel bad. I prefer to think that he just grew up athletic and had his ass kissed his whole life and didn't have to not just never had to learn to be like just a moderately decent person. I mean, he threw rocks at a moving van driver this summer. Why? Because the guy wanted to get paid before he delivered the stuff. And so Antonio Brown threw rocks at him. And so Bruce Arians did this whole thing. Well, you know, we're he's confident that he's citizen. changed as a person. He's a model citizen. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of 31-year-olds suddenly become a different person. You know, I'm a, I'm a yeah. big believer that the person you are when you're six years old is pretty much the same person you are when you're 36, when you're 46. You can tweak it and you can, you know, some people have an epiphany or whatever. But for the most part, if you're an obnoxious kid, you're going to be an obnoxious adult. And I think that's him. And the perfect thing, too, I've never understood why people go to bat for this guy. Of all the people you want to, like, take uh, bullets for, I will never forget him diving right at Rob Gronkowski's knee. I mean, it was blatant. And uh, Dan Fouts was doing the game. He just goes, well, you know, he, you know, he wasn't doing that intentionally. Oh, okay. So this oh, okay. time, this time it was an accident. Boy, this guy has the worst luck. You know, he just everywhere he goes, he's diving his helmet at somebody's like money making or uh, you know yeah. joints and, and organs. So yeah, uh, not Vontez Burford is one of those guys you just say uh, one of these days I'm going to hear about like some tragedy befalling him, and we're going to go, yeah, kind of, kind of saw that one coming. Yeah, it's weird because I covered a few Bengals games with him in the locker room. And when I was at NFL Network and I approached him just to speak on a few things before the game, just to get my game quotes. And when I tell you, it's it's actually alarming what a kind and odd person he is. I, I asked him, I said, you know, what do you what do you do on the field? Like when what makes that switch flip on and he is a strange, strange man because he is not the person that you see on the field. I mean, he's, there's gotta be something that's, that's twisted on the other side that you don't even see. I mean, I I'm trying to think of ways to explain it and I probably can't, and I should probably move on to other things, but, uh, so, so nice guy, polite, nice, polite, um, well-spoken, um, upbeat, he's got some odd sparkle in his eye. That's it's, I can't really explain it. It just really freaked me out. Just knowing the type of player and watching him as a player on the field for so many years. No kidding. Is it, is is the sparkle at all like the one I have? Because yeah, I mean, 
Because I, I get on a comedy stage or sit down on my laptop to work and I too become just a, just a, a demon from hell. So I get that, you know, there's, there's two sides to each of us. So you saw he's got this like Gollum Smeagol thing going. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Exactly. See, okay, now that's also disappointing because I just prefer to think that He's, he's just a, a bad guy. Yeah, just guess. just a vicious monster no matter where he, he goes. But maybe, you know, how, how many hockey players do you hear that are this, the same kind of thing? Like they, they oh, get man. out on the on the ice and they're they get turned into feral savages, but then you know they get interviewed afterwards and they're just like the kindest, most you know, genteel Canadian guy in the world. So yeah, go go it's figure. It's really odd too because I, you know, last thing before we move on to the 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 pile of mess that is the 2020 New England Patriots. But um, if there's any sport that suffers more with CTE cases, it's hockey because the way that they get slammed against the board and their neck is completely exposed, and the way and with the force and the power. I've spoken to multiple hockey players and I mean, I mean, multiple that have endured such severe CTE. It's, it's a matter of just severe seizures on the daily retiring early. And I mean, the, the liability of them just dropping dead at any, any day after, you know, shortly after their careers, because of all of those hits to the head, it's, I feel like it's something that's just so overlooked and it's, I mean, it's so sad. It really is. Yeah. It's funny how that condition, the more we've learned about it has really only stuck to one sport. You, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you, you yeah, no, I'm really confused. Exactly. I'm very confused that it's not brought up more in the, in it's because it's so much worse in hockey. Yeah. It, well, and I've heard that statistically, if you go like per capita or whatever, that among like youth sports, um, I want to say it's like girls field hockey or something is, is the most yeah. vicious. I, I have a brother-in-law who um, had like eight concussions in college in soccer playing goalie. Wow. But it was just, you know, that was in the days where, you know, all right, just, just shake it off or, Hey, wow. He's looking a little punchy. Hey, you know, get, get this guy out of there or whatever. And you didn't yeah. think cumulative effects. He's fine. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. But you know, if you got eight concussions, playing uh you know center on your high school team like they'd never let you play again I mean, maybe that's progress i don't know i yeah. i come up from it a little differently because i coached youth youth football for years during that time when parents were becoming petrified of it and i was like it's the best thing i ever did for my two sons to get them yeah. involved in that teach them you know it's up to coaches make it safe teach kids don't lead with the crown of your helmet it's bad for you it's bad for the for the team you don't make tackles that way whatever we can't be psycho about it but um yeah i i i'm, I'm all about going to extremes but people want to kill the sport of football and you know i, I love history courtney and and i'll get off my soapbox on this but in 1905 they had a meeting in the oval office conducted by teddy roosevelt my favorite all-time president with college presidents because they were trying to ban the sport of football then. Wow. 18 guys died playing college football across the country. Think about how many of them were actually playing college football in, in 1905. It had to have been at like a tiny number. So people were dying doing it. 
So they changed the rules. They invented the neutral zone. They legalized the forward pass. Like they, they solved the problem. You know, we, we live in a world where there was a hundred year difference between the invention of the goalie mask and going backwards, the invention of the slap shot. So sometimes we're slow to just kind of get smart about how to protect athletes and we don't figure it out. Hell, I'm, I remember there was a guy on the Red Sox in my lifetime who batted without a batting helmet. Wow. He was the backup catcher. Wow. Carlton Fisk's wow. backup catcher. Oh, Carlton Fisk, number Carlton 27. Fisk, yeah, Carlton Fisk's backup was a guy named oh, Bob oh, Montgomery, oh, and he was like the announcer for years. And he would come to the plate, and I'm like, what is it? It was like an alien that just dropped down from, like, you know, passed through time from, like, 1938 or something. It's like, what? what is he what is he doing? And they, they yeah. it just, he was grandfathered in. So yeah, it, we can be smart about protecting people's heads without banning sports altogether. It's just, yeah, you know, we got to stop that mentality of, Oh, we just put a dress on them. Yeah. I'm sure the first goalie that wore a mask, people were going, Hey, why don't we just put a dress on him? Eh? Like, oh. look at that. What a puss, you know? <laughs> And now you you wouldn't dream of stepping onto the ice without full cover. Yeah, protecting everything. Well, mm -hmm. no proper way to transition into what's happening with the 2020 New England Patriots. But I guess we'll start at the quarterback position. And we're not talking about bad guys here because Cam Newton in no way is a bad guy. I really like and have learned to love Cam Newton as a locker room guy, the way that he conducts himself on media interviews, the way yeah. that he has come out and basically said that this is unacceptable. Um, let's see. I'm just reading this just now. So Cam Newton yep. on it. On, it's just very hard. You want to talk about like um, alien talk, just trying to read his, <laughs> um, his, his hieroglyphics. Yeah. I, I tried reading that thing earlier, just before we started the podcast, he posted I, this on the gram. I wonder, I actually would love to ask him, does he have his own keyboard of just this exact speak? Or does he have to like, enter and hold and then you know on the on the on like a, a text board does he have to like do all the stuff or has he made his own keyboard great think? great question i, I, I it's, really i'm very I, fascinated to know yeah and would you go where do you buy this laptop can i go to best buy and just say <laughs> i want something that looks vaguely like english people can decipher it but it's just the jerry font like i I, I, I don't, and it's QWER, -E but like just a little different. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I'll read the message if you, okay. if, if that's at all possible, just pick all out right. the words you can and we'll just decode it. Dear Patriot Nation, all caps. I will be the first to tell you that this year has been unacceptable in more ways than one double exclamation point. And the standard has, has been, and always has been set. And unfortunately, we, parentheses, I, did not live up to that standard, was at all times or was consistently enough. With that being said, the answers is, parentheses, are <laughs> in the locker room. And one thing I do know about this bunch is that this locker room is filled with guys who want to be a part of the solution, including me. All things considered, you will not see any finger pointing or excuse making, but more accountability being placed on the guys, me, to get the job done. I think I speak for myself and others when I say challenge accepted. The joy is in the process. Know the standard. 
be the standard, live up to the standard daily, shine through the shade. One love, Cam Newton. Here's my problem. Is this his pitch to come back next year? Because I don't want any part of this quarterback in my locker room next year on a rebuild. I don't. As much as I love Cam Newton, it, it just, it, he has done less for this team in historic ways than any quarterback since the 90s. He has 13 games. He's thrown five touchdowns. The last time someone did that was Trent Dilfer in 1995. The rules in this game, Jerry, it makes it so easy to pass. It makes it so easy to step back in the pocket. They have, speaking of changing the rules of the game, I mean, this is a quarterback league. They want more passes, more scoring, hit the overs. It's Cam Newton is possibly having one of the worst seasons as a modern-day quarterback in NFL history. And Bill Belichick has refused to pull him. And I really want to know why. I, I, and I surmise to say that Cam, because of how, and this has nothing to do with anything, you know, going into the season, I thought that there would be a clash between Cam and his personality and the way that he would adjust to the culture of the New England Patriots. But it seems the only person that's having an issue with the culture is Jared Stidham. It seems the issue that he's having is not, I mean, Jared Stidham must be so fucking bad that he is sitting on the bench while Cam Newton is playing or, or Bill Belichick has some tacit understanding between Cam and his camp that because he gave him such a low ball dog deal that Bill doesn't want to rock the boat. He doesn't want to rock the boat. He doesn't want to pull the guy because it really could ruin his career. That, I mean, that Cam's basically eating the humble pie and he's eating all, he's drinking all the Gatorade and, and Bill's okay with that. But it is such a glaring question to sit back and say, Bill, what the hell are you doing? Are you trying to cover up your, your own mistakes or are you trying to set up Cam as the fall guy? And I think it's kind of the latter. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And, and you know, first, you know, we'll separate the man who's been exemplary from the quarterback who's yeah. been a borderline Chernobyl-sized disaster. Um, you know, the man, I think he came in here and, you know, dying to get his career back and super hyper-motivated and didn't care about money and he's living away from his family and he's, you know, just embraced his team to the extent that they could. I heard him on uh, the radio this morning talking about, you know, how COVID interrupted them all kind of being able to come together as like, you know, with friendships and, you know, that, that way you can relate to someone because you see them every day and you understand their moods and their moves or whatever. And it was really interesting. Like he never says a false thing. You know what I mean? Like he never stumbles in a way that you could twist his words, which people made a career out of doing with his predecessor. Tom Brady couldn't say, wow, good morning. It's a beautiful day out there. I can't wait to get going without someone going, oh, so you know what he's saying, right? It was like the Boston media was like your Twitter followers. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's an obnoxious thing to be saying or whatever. Um, 
hell, they tried to turn it into a controversy that he said, oh, I wouldn't be caught dead living through another New England winner. Yeah, welcome to the club, Tom. I'll yeah. object when he says something that I disagree with. But I, every, I say that 300 days out of the year. But anyway, now, Newton, the quarterback, I, I think part of this went to them saying, well, we can work with this guy. We're transitioning towards more of a run-first team anyway. And we can do the things that, say, Baltimore did to us last year, which is the Patriots were helpless to stop that that Russian attack. Mm -hmm. It just had too many elements. That whole business of your quarterback as a primary runner gives him 10 blockers. And I think the Pats started that when they drafted Sony Michelle. In that playoff run, they didn't face a linebacker in the three games that they played bigger than 240 pounds. So I think that they said – Let's get big. Let's get physical. We'll pound people. And then our passing game will come from there as opposed to when Brady was here. The passing game just hasn't materialized. And I don't know how much of that is because of the talent level around them. But I think there are guys getting open. And Newton just is not in sync with what's happening around him. He holds the ball. He holds the ball. You know, there's, you know, Nikhil Harry getting off the line you know, using the footwork he's been working on, using his size. And everything becomes a second reaction play because Newton's holding the ball and he's looking and he's scanning, he's going through the progressions. I thought this after the um, Miami game, Courtney, I watched the, uh, the, the primetime game, Cleveland. Baker Mayfield goes back, three-step drop, plants his foot, the ball comes out. Yeah. He's throwing guys open the way you're supposed to instead of Newton is waiting for guys to become open and you just can't get the rhythm and you're asking your line to block too much. So I think it was a noble experiment and God knows he's been making slightly more money than Joe Cardona. I looked it up. He's 24th in the team in payroll, just ahead of the long snapper. So I think Belichick has stuck by him one because didn't want to transition the whole offense to another quarterback with a different skill set. And also because the team has rallied around them, they've tried to fight hard. It's just, it, it's failed. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next two weeks that he makes a change, he's kind of signaled that he's thinking about it anyway, which he hasn't said prior. Anytime he's been asked, he's like, Cam's our quarterback. Well, he threw for 69 yards. He threw for 350 last week. You know? I mean, come on. He has thrown for 350 yards over the Tom Brady threw for 350 in that game. Right. Uh, yesterday, uh, yeah. you know, coming back against the Falcons, Cam hasn't thrown that in the last four games combined. Yeah. And I, like, I just, and like you said too, any quarterback in the league is capable of that just by, just by the rules. And you know, how many times have we seen some slappy come in the face of Patriots and throw for 300 yards against them? Some like Matt Moore or somebody like, like that. I mean, anyone is capable of having that, that game. His best game was against Seattle. I mean, yeah. I, I could give you 250 yards against, again, that is not the Seattle that we remember. So, yeah, I, I think it's, I, I just can't see it continuing to next year in spite of how he phrased that, uh, that well-written Instagram. I and, just, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it happening. And I almost think that again, Bill is not trying to ruin this guy's career, but no. when you see the guys that are open on the field, how many fucking times am I going to sit back in the pocket and watch Cam Newton throw at some receiver's feet? 
I, it's, I mean, it's gotta be something in his body as well. It's not just mechanics and timing because when you're going to sit back and you're going to assess the offense and the offensive play calls, how much of this is on Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick? I, I really want to know because I, this guy, they're giving him all the tools in the tool shed and this either his body is incapable of reaching that next level or again, they're keeping him in for a culture purpose and they're just, I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even believe the things that I would even, that would come out of my mouth right now because yeah. Bill Belichick is not the one to sit back and tank. And I saw some bullshit thing with Pat, Pat McAfee saying Belichick is mailing in this year. No, he's not. <laughs> Bill Belichick is not going to sit back and say, oh yeah, you know that, 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 that record that Tom Landry has for 20 straight season of winning football games. Yeah. I'm just going to mail this one in while Tom Brady racks up racks up the wins down and he proves me wrong for not keeping him around. Yeah. 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 That's going to go real just fine for me. Yeah. I'm going to mail it in because COVID's really through 18 weeks of a football season, including preseason, man. Yeah. This is just kind of getting too difficult to me to manage. And so I'm just going to mail it in. This is like, stop right. with the national narratives, people. Oh, I'm not sitting Courtney. back here. I'm not Save those receipts, there. Courtney. Save those receipts. Bullshit. Because how I'm many times have we, we have heard so many variations of this. You know, the game has passed them by. Oh, they haven't won a championship in 10 years. Clearly, he's got to start to innovate. He can't draft. He can't, you know, he he he, he doesn't sign free agents. He's too cheap. Like, you know, the, how many times have you seen the next new team that come come? comes down the pike that all of a sudden breaks through maybe beats him in a postseason game and that's the template that he should be following and then i mean he won three super bowls and has been to four since rex ryan and the jets were the thing that he should be doing you know he should be aggressive he should go out and get the next uh darrell reeves or how about how many times have you ever heard at the end of the season he's going to go coach the Giants because they still tug oh, at his heartstrings because that's where he got that's where he was back in the eighties or whatever like he was with Detroit before that how comes no one's saying he wants to go coach in Detroit again was he going to go you know he, he used to fetch coffee for Ted March or Brode I'm supposed to think he wants to go be with the Colts again like it's he's nonsense. he's going to go coach the the Navy midshipmen. That's, yeah, yeah. That's his That's goal. His dream. He, you know, right after the years of Cam Newton and 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 this offense and the run forced offense, he's gonna go run the triple option. Right. Now, yeah, exactly. Mandarin now, Chief Trophy. Yeah. Now there's been, you know, issues this year where they've they've uncharacteristically made the mistakes that they used to sit around and wait for the other teams to make. You know, whether it's not being able to get into the one at Seattle, uh, Newton fumbling the ball against Buffalo, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, bad penalties. It, the one the other day where they had the, um, the, the 12 men after a timeout with mm -hmm. 12 men on defense. And that those things are uncharacteristic, but it's not like they never happened. It's just it happens less here than it does el elsewhere. So we, we we're shocked when it happens and we find some. Bigger reason. How else could this possibly be happening? Well, it must be because Belichick is working four-hour days now and yeah, spending the rest of the time at, at, at home playing with his PlayStation. Like, what? No. I He's as committed as he's ever been. It's just this year has been a 
just a, a, they've had a steeper climb than almost any team in the league with all the opt outs and with the quarterback struggling. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, the problem to me too, is that watching this team down the stretch and not only is this offense just absolutely abominable and I haven't been, I, I don't even watch the games anymore. I'll come in and, and keep it on red zone and watch Cam Newton overthrow someone on third and nine. Um, in the middle of, uh, you know, a, a, a momentum swinging game in, in Miami or in wherever, and they're yeah. going to get steamrolled for the rest of this year. But part of the issue with that, Jerry, is the run defense. And we know that Dante Hightower, he just solves everyone's problems. He's like the fairy godmother dust on that defense. It's just things just things stop before they get to him. And he's the communication and Sure, but we've been dealing with this for 17 weeks of an NFL season. The Miami Dolphins ran 250 rushing yards against them. 175 in the second half alone. And it's not just Matt Breida. It was that kid Salvon on med, and apparently he was inspired by his grandma, and he told her that he would have 100 yards rushing. He had 117. So not only is a rookie wide receiver picking them apart, but they are shoving this down their throats forcedly. And it's not just Cam Akers and that, and that Rams offense either. I, the, the Chargers were running on them as well. Yeah. Um, and, and think of the three names you just mentioned. Cam Akers, right? Ahmed, Ahmed. And, yeah, exactly. And, and Brito. Like, you know, I, I was looking for a comparison for, between these two Dolphins guys, and I, I just, ah, screw it. I'm going to go old school. Yeah, they're the Doc Blanchard and Glenn Davis, Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside of the 21st century. Like, who are these guys to be running for, you know, 120 combined yards? Never mind double that. Never mind 250 for the life of me, I never thought I would live to see the day that a Patriots defense would give up that many yards in consecutive weeks, like just non-competitive. You know what? And we all laugh at the cliche. Oh, you got to stop the run. Well, there's proof that just because it's a cliche doesn't mean it's wrong. Because what else does it matter? You yeah, know? exactly. Well, the Patriots have allowed the six most rushing yards in the NFL this year. Damn. So um, on top of needing a first round, and I mean, listen, I'm not limiting that to a first or a second round. Man, they better save their pennies in the offseason. I don't even think $60 million in cap space is enough. I don't trust Bill Belichick to go out and get a wide receiver. I don't trust him to go out and get a salvageable quarterback because we all know how laissez-faire he was in, a, in adjusting to the fact that, hey, I think we're going to be just okay with someone because, you know, Tommy, he was a system quarterback. He was a system guy. This entire year is such a failure. And I've almost, as I, you know, we could go through all of the, the disappointments. And by the way, I don't think Julian Edelman should be coming back at all this year. I know that he gets paid to yeah. play football. Save his ass. Because yeah. of all of the old slot receivers and the Danny Amendola's and the Cole Beasley's of the world, I know Cole Beasley is not that old. But, I mean, this is a 35-year-old guy. And, and, you know, and they have completely ran his ass into the ground and he has one more year on his deal. He doesn't deserve, he doesn't deserve to come back to this absolute disaster. But the problem that I have is the fact that the new England Patriots, you know, they're, they're going to be dealing with not only 
upheaval in in the locker room but you got to think that Bill Belichick has to sit back and say hey maybe I'm not that great of a talent evaluator from someone who has the same birthday as him you would have to rip my hair out for me to admit that I suck at my job you know the the amount of pride that lies within that man and the historical magnitude of him saying I'm going to have to bring someone else in, or I'm going to have to give the power back, or I'm going to have to tell Nick Casario to move on to another GM position. Hey, maybe it's time for me to get, tell Josh McDaniels to leave and go get that. There is not enough upheaval that could happen to this team during the regular season that could change the outlook for the 2021 team, Jerry, why am I sitting here and thinking this team is going to be worse next year than they are this year? Am I wrong? Courtney, I, I'm worried. Courtney, I'm very worried. I need, you, I need you to look me in the eye, okay? Listen to the reassuring sound of my voice, okay? It's not that bad. You were born on the same day that Tom Brady was drafted. There's there's, there's a cosmic true. Har yes. harmonic a convergence going on here where we are going to get through this spiritually together. Okay. Now tell me where the man hurt you. No, um, look, look, here's the thing. They have money to spend in a league where very few teams are going to have money to spend. I, I won't get bogged down into it because I'm no capologist. I, I, I save, Certain websites because I know they will follow this stuff. Oh, but my guy Edwin yeah. Pat's Cap, he's the best. Yes, Miguel is great. And look, I'm uh, yep, I'm uh, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm too pretty to do arithmetic, and I was told there'd be none on this test. But the the cap has always gone up about ten million per year, one year to the next. Yeah, now this year it's going to be dropped back to fifteen. It's going to go from two ten, which is expected, to one ninety five. You certainly know this better than I do. So teams are going to be slashing payroll, including New Orleans. They have no choice but to jettison cargo. About a third of the teams in the league are going to be dumping. I think it's going to be a buyer's market. I think the price is going to go down. It's going to be like if you go to a nudie bar during COVID, like, you know, you don't, these, these dancers are hungry. They want some money. It doesn't, you don't have to make it rain as much as you used to. They will give you their attention. Or so I hear. Uh, don't, I, I don't know why that was my metaphor, but anyway, I trust that this talent evaluation system they've put in place doesn't need to be scrapped two years removed from their last championship. They they always are losing guys. They always transition. There's always that guy that you think they can't possibly afford to win without this guy. Whether it's Chandler Jones or you know um, you know Kyle Van Noy's just just the latest. And sure, he would be really helpful here. But they're always losing guys. That's the nature of the system that they've put in place. You make tons of money elsewhere. They overpay you. The Patriots don't, and they find the next one of you. And I trust that they're going to be able to do this. Stefan Gilmore looks like, you know, I had for sure had him gone. Maybe he's not now because it's not going to be much of a market for him since he's going to need probably, you know, surgery on his legs. He's entering so, surgery, I think, that right now for a torn, torn hamstring, hamstring groin. Calf. Calf. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, by the way, a quick aside. 
I have a rule for injuries that mostly applies to baseball. Um, I think for you to have an injury, it should be an action verb, a tear, a pull, a break, not tightness. And it should be a part of the body that every little kid can identify from the song, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Like if a, Clay Buckholtz would miss like six to eight weeks with tightness in his uvula. And I'd be like, what is that? That's that thing in the back of your throat? Like what is, why does he need that? And so, okay. Um, but that's that yet I got now from, from the lions. He broke his throat. Yeah. Okay. That, <laughs> no. That's a hard one. Like, 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 like broke his throat. And then okay. his brother was like, pussy. He should be playing. <laughs> See, man breaks Football his throat. Guy. I'm not questioning anything about him. And believe me, I listen, I, I used to work for the state of Massachusetts. So I, one time was, uh, I missed two weeks of work with a bad haircut. So I'm not even going to question, no like, way. say, Clay, Clay Buckholz's toughness. But, um, you know, with with football players, yes, tear in whatever part of his leg it was that serious. Maybe he stays. I, I don't know. I think there's there's depth there. I think you probably might stand to lose some core guys who have been here a while to just yeah. retirement. Pat Chung has been rumored. Uh, Dante Hightower, you know. Devin McCourty, there's been thought the last couple of years that McCourty might retire. And he's come back twice. And on, I think if you lose one McCourty, you lose the other McCourty. I think Jason, I think Jason should retire after this year. I think Devin should go one more year. Um, And I'm very close. I'm very close with Devin. So, I mean, but I can't speak for him because I haven't spoken to him on that because. Can you tell the difference between them? Because I yes, I can. I absolutely can. Yep, I can tell a difference in their voice, and I can tell a difference when I look at them. Yep, even I'm baby so, pictures. I'm so terrible at that. I, when I when yeah. I was coaching kids sport, we had twins. I, I coached them for four years. We Liam, Liam and Ryan. We just always made sure we put Liam on the left and Ryan on the right. That's yeah. the only way. You know, it was like like Linda, Rita. Um, <laughs> So I, but I, I'm sure the McCordys would be able to pull like a, you know, a Lindsay Lohan on me all the time. And just well, didn't you, when Deron Harmon, cause Deron Harmon looks a lot like both of them. And I think oh. that he, they used to call them like the, the freaky triplets. Like they, 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 uh, they, there were great stories. I think the McCordys have told about Bill, like freaking Bill out. And then they're like, oh, I'm Jason. He's Devin. And he like, I think Bill just lost his shit one day. He's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, you need to stop. I don't get it. Like, I'm not happy, but then they just oh, laugh. I forget one of the really like backbencher announcer teams one time when when uh Harmon was still here, showed him on the bench, sitting there talking, and they just and that's Devin McCordy and his brother Jason. It's like He's got a uniform number on. Like, you know, <laughs> different ages. Oh, what, what? All Rutgers guys look alike. Is that, yeah. is that your anti Scarlet Knight bias showing here? Um, oh, yeah, but I, look, I, I I respect the hell out of uh, those guys. And, you know, Devin in particular, I was asked this a while ago. Said, aside from Brady, obviously, who has been the best Patriots player during the dynasty era? And I said, you know what? All things considered, I'm going to go with Devin McCourty. Because, yeah. of course, you know, your, your default setting is to say Gronk, but a lot of missed time there. They won a Super Bowl with him on IR. McCourty has been integral. He never misses time. 
He's been a leader. He's been durable. He's been a four down player. He's been huge on special teams. Like, you know, that, that Italian evaluator who doesn't know how to draft hit a home run, uh, a three run homer uh, drafting him. And there was blowback then. I remember Jerry Callahan. Oh, I love Jerry Callahan on the radio the next day. Oh, they drafted a gunner. Oh, he's a four-down player. He's a gunner. Terrific. Like We need wide receivers. Well, he's got three rings, so I think it was a good call. You know? Yeah. I think I, I had told him, too. I remember that that night when he was drafted. And I was like, who the hell is Devin McCourty? Why did they get this guy? And I will tell you the one soft spot in Devin's career, if you talk to him, and he got brought up twice during my interview when I had him on the podcast was he's very, very insecure about his second season. He was really bad in oh, the yeah. campaign. And a lot of people don't remember it. And I didn't remember it until he kept bringing it up. And I was like, so clearly it's, it bothers you that you have that one blemish on your record, which listen, nobody's perfect. Brady has never been perfect. And you know, I mean, there are certain years that he was, you know, that you could point out and say that was a down year or that was less than this one. But I can remember during quarantine back in June, they had this, these games on the sports hub, just randomly playing football games because it was, yeah, the end of June, it was the same day they signed Cam Newton and they just were like, we're playing an old football game of the Patriots against the Washington football team at FedEx field. And I remember I just was loving it. It was like the windows were down. I'm riding down 93 heading to get a lobster roll in Duxbury. And I'm like, this is great. And I'm listening to this game. I'm hearing names like Dane Fletcher, Dane Fletcher with the tackle. Oh, that was like, wow. Yeah. And it was like Rob Nikovich all over the field. And I was like, man. And then I hear Zoe go, God damn that Devin McCourty. He's playing bad, man. He's, <laughs> God, another miss. You got to get this kid out of here. He sucks. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And listen, God loves Zoe. I love Zoe so much. And he, I mean, you want to talk about someone who hates Cam. I mean, he hates Cam so much. He's talking in the middle of Bob Sosi doing the calls. Now. <laughs> He's like, that's going to morphed up on the sidelines. What the hell is going on? But, yeah, no, he oh, was man. he was ripping on Devin. And it was it was yeah. funny. Think about McCordy as, as a rookie. I, I say to this day, he had the best rookie season of any yes. quarterback they've ever had. And I, again, I'm showing my age here, um, but I'm old enough to remember Mike Haynes when I was a kid. Oh, I remember and how, Mike Haynes. You knew yeah. from the beginning how good this guy was. Mm -hmm. And I think McCordy had a better rookie season. And then I heard this theory by a, one of the football writers I used to uh, work with. And I thought I would held water his first few games that second season, he faced some of the top wide receivers in the league, all physically big guys. I want to say Brandon Marshall was one of them. Um, God, who was it with the Steelers? I think he basically got put in the torture chamber by a couple guys and just kind of lost confidence. And so, yeah. Yeah, I'll think of I'll think of who who it was. But do you I mean, remember just, there was a name that got brought up the other day, Peerless Price. Do you remember Peerless Price? Oh God, that's From a blast Bills? in the past. Oh yeah, yeah right? absolutely. And yeah, he, I wonder if he was one he of was them. On the they Bills. Was the Bills early in the season. Yeah, yeah. And then they moved him back to safety, burner. and he was and he was fantastic. He's been quarterback yeah. in that defense forever. You know, Dante Hightower 
had a tough rookie season. I back then I was doing the pre and post game show on uh, on Comcast Sports, and um, I would sit there and have lunch with these professional football players at, at, during halftime, and they would just look at Hightower, look at him. He's lost. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, same with Chandler Jones, though. They wanted, I remember he came out, they were like, this kid is too lanky. He was like maybe 40, 50 pounds lighter than he is now. They got, he's got to put more beef on his frame. He was completely lost. And I didn't even recognize the fact that he was like an all pro until maybe years after people are saying, oh, look what he's doing down in Arizona. He was a fine edge rusher, but. They, they put him in there as like a, a rush specialist, which this yeah, system yeah. will never do. So you're never going to get the high sack totals. And they would ask him to do different things. And I can't tell you how many times I'd watch him and, you know, play would go around his end. And where is he? He's diving inside the the this, this tackle guard gap and, and he's supposed to be on the edge. The thing with Hightower is what, what kind of made me give cut him some slack was Teddy Bruschi said, I made that transi- transition into the middle. It's hard. I I was a, I was a defensive end. He was an outside linebacker. And so he figured it out over time. And then you'd see like you'd freeze phrase, freeze frame a play and Hightower would be three steps towards the ball before anybody else had come out of their stance. And that's when you said, okay, starting to get it. And I, they, they need that out of a lot of these young guys on this defense, I think it's going to take time. The off season hurt them. I, I, I I'll, apply that to the tight ends too god willing i mean there's no way asi asi and dalton keen and by the way can be boss there's no way i just won't i won't i won't convince myself yet that there can be good but i I couldn't have been more wrong about one thing i said all season long like oh yeah well they lost this guy they lost man noy yeah jamie collins whatever but at least they'll be better at tight end you know those guys on sunday i think they each got two targets which like doubled their targets for the season and keen the one he caught he ended up fumbling and he was like a you know like a grizzly bear slapping at a salmon just like this it was like you can't just hold on to the ball but then he was getting overthrown and yeah there's there's no way they could be this bad they were the second and fourth tight ends to come off the board I know, I know. Maybe, maybe they just need that year of seasoning like Damian Harris got. I mean, there's we have no doubts about Damian Harris and what he could do, but where was he last year? They just redshirt freshman them. It was bizarre. Yeah, so, know. you know, they need these guys to mature. Certainly, you know, Kyle Duggar looks like a, a revelation. Uh, Josh Uchi just has Uche, Uche, or Uche. I don't know if Chase Winovich is going to be have the staying power to hang around. It looked like he was transitioning himself into a three down linebacker. But Mm -hmm. you see now when they're in a game like they were the other day where they just get run on, he's nowhere on the field. I think they just figure he's he's doesn't he's not strong enough. He doesn't have the old sand in the pants or whatever the, 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 the draft gurus like to say. He's not a, a big butted war daddy. Um, and that he's going to be a, a rush guy when, like we were saying about Chandler Jones, if that's all you do, you're not going to last long here. But I, I yeah. like him. I think he's he's a high motor player. There's, there's a role for him. It's just weird that he'll get, you know, 45 snaps one week and the next he gets 10. Yeah. 
Well, as we're kind of wrapping this up, I'm just thinking there's so much to talk about with this Patriots oh, absolutely. team. Absolutely. I, I mean, you could just, uh, we could go on, we could have a four hour radio show every day, which is what I used to do at EEI. And so did you. So mm -hmm. um, yep. hopefully we'll make this a somewhat a consistent thing. So yeah, this is, before. this is much better. We just narrow it down. We don't take calls from morons and uh, like, like Dan and Quincy who starts yeah. screaming at you. Um, <laughs> anyone, I remember Mark James saying Dan and Quincy was his favorite, uh, favorite caller ever. And this guy, for those of you who don't know sports radio in Boston, this guy will call up and be like, hi, Jerry and Courtney, I'm really thinking about this New England Patriots team, and I'm wondering what the future is going to be like or whether they can actually make it down to 8-8. Eight and eight. And I just think that Josh McDaniels, and, then, and he starts screaming. He'll be calm, and he starts screaming at the top of his lungs. And I'm sitting there, and like, J Mark James would leave him on the radio for at least 45 seconds. William, what the fuck are you doing? Like this guy, like he's blowing out my, like, I understand that maybe that's how some people interpret that you and me talk on the radio, but I, what are you doing? Letting this guy just like take over the show and be as obnoxious as he is. Like, oh yeah. And go right to oh that, my that God. car alarm voice of his. He was banned from the oh. show that, that I was on. I mean, I used to do some weekends and stuff and talk to him and I'd just be like, if that's what sports made me do. I would stop following sports altogether. I just start oh, reading yeah. novels or get into musical theater or something that didn't always have me pissed off. And I'd always like, I'm sorry, I'm a big picture guy. It's not 1999 anymore. We're not 15 years removed from our last title. Things are good. As soon as they're done putting away the, the barriers from the last duck boat parade, they're breaking them out for the next one. Relax, yeah. enjoy yourself. Like what? What would you? What would it be like for you if you were like I don't know, living in some city that that is one one or two over the like over your lifetime? How, yeah, <laughs> Cleveland. I mean, in Cleveland, they're still living off of that Cavs title. Uh, pardon me if I sort of appreciate the fact that you know I wrote a book called Five Rings, and a couple of years later had to change it to Six Rings. Like did that's you, did, did you book. actually change it to Six Rings? Did you? Can I have one of your, did you see that? Okay. I'm going to go. sign copy. Yeah. Did you see that I tweeted out to, I tweeted out that I, I actually am going to get some coffee. Are coffee table books the most, the biggest waste of money ever? Oh yeah. I remember buying for one of my ex-boyfriends, I bought him a Frank Lloyd Wright. Arcacy, that's what he loved the architecture. I bought him a Frank Lloyd Wright coffee table book and I spent like $98 on it and I don't think he ever used it or even put it out on his coffee table. It's like, all right, so why I'm going to spend $300 on a, on a Chanel fashion book. That's so, right. it's so everyone my age, I'm just not. So I got to go, I got to go figure out different coffee table books that are like acceptable for chicks who like sports. You, you just want something that's going to make it look like you're an intellect when people visit. <laughs> Like a Frank Lloyd Wright book would would do it, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah I've Kobe book, I you know the Kobe book I'm gonna get. It was hardcover. I think it was forty dollars when I went to um, Barnes and Noble. But I had I I bought Michael Holly's book. I bought um, Friday Night Lights, the original one. Okay. Um, I bought 
what else did I buy? Shoot. Oh, I bought sports gaming, betting for, for dummies. Okay. Uh, did you buy from darkness to dynasty? The first 40 years of the new England Patriots by no, I didn't celebrated author, Jerry Thornton. Okay. Well, okay. You know, okay. Well, yeah. I was in Barnes and Noble and there was a very small football section. So you tell me which ones that you want me to buy. And, um, because even so, the Holly book, the Holly book, I realized it was outdated. So yeah. well, six, six rings just came out. It's perfect for everyone on your list. Perfect from darkness to dynasty, or I, I like to call it by its uh, star Wars droid name. FD 2D um, is it's a history book. It's, it's a perennial. And I, I, I think that. it's, I wrote it for people who live through it, but also for people like, like I have a son who I was 22. The first time the Patriots won a playoff game. And I said, I can die happy now. They've won a playoff game. By the time he hit 22, he had seen them win six Super Bowls, yeah. go to nine. And so it's so people know like how utterly ridiculous they were, how it was it was hilarious, it was yeah. tragic, it was weird. The stadium was the breakdown of societal order. It was Lord of the Rings, I mean, Lord of the Flies with goalposts and uh, the time guys got electrocuted carrying the goalposts up route no. one. Oh yeah, yeah. And they sued. They, the, they sued. No way. They sued. And I don't know what part of them got damaged, but I like to think it was their reproductive organs so that they'll never have money. And I got an angry email from a woman who was mad when she read the book. She was mad that I called them idiots because one of them was my husband. And you know oh. what? He wasn't carrying the goalposts. He was just walking down the street, minding his own business. Right, lady. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that's how electricity works. It, <laughs> It leaves the thin walled steel that men are holding onto and leaps across the street to randomly attack. Streets, so, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't three sheets to the wind. Yeah, exactly. Game and how, how abysmal they were. He was just yeah, out for a stroll on a Sunday yeah. with 60,000 other dopes. But, but anyway, that's sort of what the gist of the, the book was and the, the, the funny parts. And if I, if I couldn't squeeze laughs out of it, I wouldn't have bothered, but it was, it's it's fun to I've now officially written more books than I've read. So there you I go. love that. I love but that. I'm why you get coffee table books. You don't have to read them. There's nothing in there I need to know. I know. I know. It just makes me I look know. smart to, to visitors. Okay. All right. Well, I'll do that. Well, what's I want here? I gotta say one more thing. What's one thing that really just makes you sad that the younger generations just don't know about? The, like the old game of football. I mean, you know, I'm 33. So I really started following the game late nineties, early two thousands. And I mean, that's what, you know, a name like peerless price that jumps up. I was like, wow. I remember that guy he used to burn every, he was a, he was a larger set guy, right? He was, I oh. mean, he was big. Oh yeah. Jesus. He was I... like, he was like six, four. He had wide. I mean, he was a, he was a bigger wide receiver. Yep. And I they, mean, I'm not saying he's my one example. Right. What what makes you sad about the league this year that they don't? I mean, to me, it's okay. like no this one is, knows who Stephen Jackson was. No one knows what kind of a runner. Um. Oh man, and I'm blanking on my favorite player. He was he ran for the Denver Broncos, and I can't think. Ter, uh, Terrell Owens, Terrell Davis. Ter, Terrell, Terrell Davis. Yeah. Terrell Maybe Davis was my favorite running back. I mean. Made it into the Hall of Fame with a preposterously low number of games played in his career. It's just yeah. it's about how good he was and the fact that without without him, 
John Elway retires with no Super Bowls, flat yeah. out. He was he was along for the ride then, and yeah, Davis was phenomenal. This is not specific to a player, but it's the thing I miss most about football is, guys, this is going to sound like such a hacky, like kind of Chris Berman thing to say, but I loved games on sloppy fields in weather. There was yeah. nothing like the feeling of being warm and snug in your living room next to the Christmas tree and you're watching a game like played in the mud or in the snow and guys like uniforms would be you could you barely see their numbers by like you know by the end of the second quarter I, I feel like by the Steelers there's like a Steelers game that's popping up in my mind like this it was probably a road game because as long as I can remember Three Rivers was played on turf, but like, you know, in Oakland and they'd play like on the, yeah, the yeah, dirt yeah. of the yeah. infield and Fields. Cleveland was that way. And I, there was just such a joy about that as opposed to like, you know, watching the, that element doesn't exist at like Saints games or whatever. I, I have a specific memory as a kid where OJ Simpson, who later became uh, famous, he had a miniseries. Um, he ran, <laughs> you know, you know, blizzard against the Patriots the, when the Pats were bad. He yeah. ran for like 258 yards. Wow. It, it, it was like he was existing in this weird traction that nobody else could could have. It's like he was hovering above the ground, like this ethereal figure with a you know without without human form. And I thought to myself, you know what? He could have put that glove on if his heart was really in it. You know. <laughs> Having seen him tear the Patriots apart in a blizzard, he just, he kind of half-assed that one. Oh. But if there was some incentive, he would have gotten that thing on his hand, I'm convinced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, I love it. If there's it, one player it. from my, that that I would like to see I play. I mean, Heinz Ward was like, Hines Ward. I just, yeah, there were I would say there's... Barry Sanders would be mine. Oh, yeah. He just, I, I, I had him in fantasy. I've been playing fantasy football since the eighties. I kid you I know. Not. I, I, you know, what's remarkable that I didn't even realize that fantasy football existed back then. Yeah. It was not, not many people do. It was friends of mine and I, and we did our, our own scores by using the box score from the globe. That was our arbiter of what, what the accurate numbers are. And I had Barry Sanders and there'd be these games where they'd bottle them up. And he'd have like 10 carries for 12 yards or whatever. And you just, oh, okay, all right, just okay. wait. And he would bust one. It, it, wow. The guy who was a threat to score every time he touched the ball and, and just, he walked away from the game, like a season or two away from the all-time yards record and zero regrets. Like he's yeah. just, I, I watched the football life about him and people were calling up Detroit talk shows saying, hey, I used to hate O.J. Simpson more than any other running back, but he only murdered two people. Barry Sanders murdered a whole region. Like, what? 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 You think Boston talk shows are bad? You're you're right, but oh, imagine oh imagine God. saying that. But um, oh yeah, he's he's a dude who had his shit together and just was fascinating to watch. I freaking love him. Uh, yeah, oh, there's so many of those, and I just hope. Maybe some people, you know, the young kids can pick up your book and learn a thing or two about the past. But, but really, it's just, it's more of a thing that, oh man, you know, the one thing I miss is getting that Patriots championship DVD. When you got the Ch Patriots championship DVD and I played that maybe 
13 times. And I remember them <laughs> walking into that Super Bowl with the, with the Rams. And I just, that line that I already know, because I memorized all of them. And Teddy Bruschi looked at them and he said, you hit them when you have the ball and you hit them when they don't <laughs> have the ball. <laughs> you know? Yep. And, and uh, Ricky Prohl. Ricky Prohl. Yeah, Tonight, and, uh, a dynasty is born, is baby. Born. And it, he was right. Now, I did research into this, and I know we got to go, but um, after they won that first Super Bowl, uh, Adam Vinatieri went on Letterman. And I've seen the clip. A friend of mine gave it to me. I'd forgotten all about it. He's wearing, like, the leather pants and, like, the 90s sweater and stuff. (laughs) And so just to tell you how long they've been on top, right, because this was that old four-by-three aspect ratio. You know, it wasn't digital TV. So Letterman takes him up to the top of the building and they've got him kicking footballs into the Manhattan sky. Right? No. <laughs> Midtown Manhattan. Now on the, Dude, how did someone not die? <laughs> <laughs> no, Letterman was just fearless. Well, on the roof of the building across the way there to catch the footballs was a good friend of Letterman's, a Manhattan business mogul by the name of Donald J. Trump. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, like, imagine if you could, 2020 Courtney could go back and visit 2002 Courtney and just go, okay, Vinatieri will still be playing. Uh, Letterman will have a beard out to here and he'll, he'll be on a thing called Netflix. You'll soon find out about, and the other guy, well, you'll find out about, about the other guy. <laughs> that other guy. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But the one thing that has been constant in that, in addition to Vinatieri still playing is the Patriots have still been winning until, yeah. until now, until this conversation, until this conversation, this is exactly how I said the world would look if Brady ever leaves New England. I said, it's going to be the economy will be in a shambles. The schools will be closed. Everything will be shut down. We'll be living in a dystopian hellscape out of a checkoff play. I called it. No one would listen to me, though. I was like the scientist in every movie. No one would listen, but I was right. I'm sorry. If I sneeze on someone, everyone's going to die. It's going to be like Airborne, that movie with the with the infectious apes and people start, people start convulsing on <laughs> yes. the streets and they have sores all over and then they die instantly. That's we'll start exactly ripping each did. other apart to get the vaccine. If Brady had just stayed, Brady left on one of my favorite days of the year. I was Christmas. Fucking on St. Patrick's day. I oh, had you know what I did? Yeah. You had plans. I, no, I had plans I to meet you. a neighbor at eight 30 in the morning at the pub. And instead his announcement came over and, I physically, I couldn't handle the computer mouse. My hand was shaking so much. It was like palsy shake. And I wrote about it as much as I could type out words. And a little while later, I look out my front window and this figure has dropped something on my front steps. And I look and it's that that neighbor I was going to meet. She left me a can of Guinness. Oh. And I had it for breakfast. It was a bad day. I'll never forget it. I will. I'll never forget that when I heard that news and I was like angry and I was fine. I was like, all right, well, I got to do with this and that. And I think I drank like half a bottle of wine and I was sitting in my living room, probably more than half a bottle. And I, I, here, here is my parents, 33 year old. I was 32 at the time. I didn't say that. 33 year old grown woman sitting on the fireplace hysterically crying. I was screaming and weeping. And I was like, I just 
and I was, I literally, I was screaming and I was like, you don't understand. I was like, but it's true. I was like, this is the same man that had me fall in love with football. And if it wasn't for Tom Brady and my brother was a big blood cell guy, he was a big blood cell guy. And I said, they're going to stick with Brady. I like this guy. He's the reason that I fell in love with football and I fell in love with sports and I followed that. I mean, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for Tom Brady. I know that that sounds crazy, but just think about the trickulation of what that championship and what my passion and my love for the New England Patriots led into and my obsession with sports radio and my obsession with wanting to become a broadcaster, this and that. So it all came to the culmination of me screaming hysterically crying in front of my parents who just sat there and I was like, they're probably going to think I'm crazy, but they looked and they were like, I, I understand. Crying and, and really not, though. Really? This is the same. This is the no same. Way. I was a, I was a rock. This is the same kid too, that when I was nine years old and I watched the Patriots in the Super Bowl lose to the green Bay Packers. And I was watching and I was screaming. I was like, don't they understand that they disappointed all of New England? Who even lives in Wisconsin anyways? And my parents were like, you are so embarrassing. I'm so glad we didn't send you to your friend's house. What am I going to do with this kid who's having a meltdown (laughs) over a football game? So I think think they knew it was par for the course. At least. Okay. It's so clear with Brady. I, pretty much just clutched my uh, knees to my chest in the shower and listened to a lot of Billie Eilish. And I, I checked WebMD suggested that I was having what they called stroke like symptoms. So stay off of that. No, listen, it's, it's, you know what it is, Courtney. And I'm glad that Brady made you love sports and that you care enough to sob uncontrollably. I, I had a, Patriots beat writers say this to me not long after I started at EEI. And he goes, you know what? I I envy you because you care. Like, this is fun for you. I just want the story. I don't care who wins or loses. And I was like, thank God. I ended up at Barstool where my job is to just say what I think, feel how I feel. Like, it's not like there's no agenda other than this is who I like and this is who I root for. And when they win, I'm happy. And this is who I root against. And when they win, I'm, un, I'm, I'm disappointed. And I have things that I hate and just express that. And I, if I ever, I've, I've have friends who have promised me, if I ever get to the point where I'm like, I don't care who wins or loses. I just want the uh, story that they're to kill me and put me in a shallow grave. I, I don't want them going that. to the effort. Just a shallow grave. I mean, you know, this you know, is you know, this just six real, feet. <laughs> electrocuted fence around your grave in case they want to dig you out. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I'm gonna tell them that I have a map to a pirate treasure just to just to liven it up. But no, I'm glad I'm glad you care as much as I do. This yeah. year is tough. It's a it's a it's a difficult adjustment just because we're not used to it. This is life for everybody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean the the year the Packers drafted Brett uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers to replace Brett Favre, they went four and twelve, and their yeah. fans were furious. Like, what are we doing, wasting a pick on this guy when we've got Brett Favre? So we don't, we're not. The Pats may finish five hundred, and I don't know how to process that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I have so many more thoughts that I want to continue, but that's all the time that we got today. Jerry Thornton, you're going to send me a book, Six Rings. You're going to sign it. It's going to be in the front and center of my coffee table, and I'm going to read it 
and clutch my knees and, uh, you know, drink some whiskey, but in a happy way. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll, and then we'll celebrate, uh, seven rings when that comes out, hopefully soon. Yes, absolutely. That's the man, Jerry Thornton. He writes for Barstool. He does knee jerk reactions, which I have been reading for like maybe the last 35 years of my life. (laughs) I feel like yeah, you were like the original Bill Simmons column. Bill Simmons column, yeah. everyone was like, wow, what you did you read the essay, the bill? And it was like, no, like knee-jerk reactions. That's about as far as I can go. I can't scroll down that much. So you know what? I've been writing those in some form since about 2002. I just started on a message board and I can't believe it's my job. You know, yeah, I love so, it. I love uh, it. Well, waking up at five this morning to write today's, that was that was well worth it. Um, but uh, thanks for the support. Thanks for uh supporting and promoting literacy in america with the book that i'm gonna send you and uh yeah this was this was fun it's the first time i've done this i hope like hell it's not the last no me, me too me too guys we love you thank you no more will my green seagull turn a deeper blue i could not foresee this thing happening to you